0: Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: Well, at least we think so. Welcome to yeah. another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France is here. Yep. And Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. You know, I am just thinking,
0: you know, I just think, you don't, the Cowboys never needed lawyers to get somebody out of jail. They'd just rope the bars and drive, ride off. Well, yeah. You yeah, don't need a
2: stick sticky <laughs> lawyer. Or they'd uh, put a a, a a file in a cake.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that was the school marm that did that. Or you'd use a piece of dynamite and it just, <laughs> well, just blow the thing apart. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, that, that's the easiest. Blow the whole wall. Don't need no damn lawyers. Hey, today's uh, topic here... Oh, by the way, we are streaming live to you from the beautiful White Stallion yeah, Ranch yeah. just north of Tucson. Man, it had greened up here since yeah. uh, last week's rain. And the road's passable. And the road is passable again, <laughs> yes. Uh, with Bunker, hey. and I, Bunker and I thought we were going to have to spend the night out here last week, Todd, because of uh, the heavy oh, rains yeah. and flash flooding and whatnot. It's pretty I intense. know. You were
2: heart pretty heartbroken over yeah,
1: that. <laughs> we were. We well, were.
0: You know, Harry... You should, you need to tell Todd about your new belt buckle.
1: You know, I did a an interview with um, uh, Stan Houston on the. Uh, it was supposed to be on one of his uh, uh, many podcasts, but it was. Uh, well, but it ended up on the Cowboy Way podcast. Oh, that podcast! And uh, for whatever reason, it did, and so somehow or other, we got talking about buckles. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, buckles are important to, to a cowboy. It, 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 it shows an accomplishment, you know, from the, from rodeo or, uh, whatever the competition might, might have been. And, you know, and I, I mentioned that, uh, Todd has buckles, uh, Bunker has all kinds of buckles. I don't have buckles. I have no buckle. Well, yesterday at breakfast, Bunker said, you know, in honor of me not having a buckle, he gave me a buckle. Now it's about a quarter of an inch buckle, and I might be able to buckle. I'm not sure. Maybe a shoelace. <laughs> well, you know, I got to thinking. You know, talking talking with Bert there, I tried to get him to engrave it for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, this is a really, 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 really small. Small, it's smaller small watch buckle. buckle. You know, I, I I'll tell you what. But uh, it's well made. It's well made, and uh, when I lose five hundred pounds, I'll be able to uh, wrap it around me. I reckon. Well,
2: you could use. It well, for I you. didn't realize that you didn't have any buckles, and/or that you liked buckles. So, I think you know <laughs> we've discussed having a yes, buckle made have. for the show yes, for a long have. time. I think it's time.
1: Yes, we d- yeah. might have to do that. Uh, put it. Put all our. Uh, that way Harry can hold his pants up. <laughs> <laughs> and believe gonna, me, you want to see that. Those suspenders. You really, well, you do want to see that. <laughs> uh, today's topic: we are going to be talking uh, some history here. Adolf Francis Alphonse Bandelier. Now, this is not the guy who invented the straps that banditos wear over their it's shoulders, not? carrying all kinds of ammo. No, uh, uh, Bandelier was a uh, Swiss-born. Uh, gentleman immigrated to the United States in the uh, 1800s, mid 1800s, uh, settled in Highland Park, Illinois, and then got this pension for wanting to find out more about the West. And so he came out to the West, and he started studying the Native Americans that are out here. Uh, Adolf was also an archaeologist, an anthropologist, and so yeah, yeah, I mean he writer, put no. an ologist on the ba- end of whatever word you want, and that's what. Uh, Adolf did. Um, as a result, we have lots of information now uh, that we never might have had uh, about uh, Native American indigenous populations had Bandelier not uh, done anything about it. And to boot, uh, he has a national monument in New Mexico named after him.
0: And what's neat about that monument it's just chock full of uh, mon- monuments, of ruins, villages. Yep. Uh, Archaeologically and historically, it's it's like it's like finding a treasure on Treasure Island. It just and it's, there's stuff everywhere. There's stuff there. Still, they're still finding stuff there. Uh, now, I've got a longer, more entailed biography if you want if you want to hit that, or we can just jump around.
1: Well, uh, I don't know that we need to have that much of a bio, but uh, go for it. Okay. Well, we go here. You see. He was uh, born August sixth,
0: which is why we're doing it today, because it is the sixth of August in 1840, and that was a hundred years and one day before I was born. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> he passed away in March 18 in 1940, 14, excuse me. He was a historian, anthropologist, explorer, born in Bern, Switzerland, as Harry said. His father was an officer in the Swiss Army and criminal judge in the Bern district, and his mother was a Russian, but not that kind of Russian, It's no. the old Russian. At the fall of the partition government in 1847, uh, his father left Switzerland and went first to Brazil, left there in disgust because of the slavery, uh, went to New York and finally to Illinois, where he bought a large tract of land near Highland. He sent for the family in 1848. Uh, there, Adolf attended the Winger School in Bern from his fourth year. He was eight when he started uh, with his mother on the journey to America. There being no schools in Highland, he was educated at home, homeschooling. Right. That's the way to go. As a boy, he was an ardent collector of butterflies, minerals, and botanical specimens. In other words, he was an all American boy. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, in 1855, he went to Switzerland to study geology. At the University of Bern, under Professor Stredner, at about that same time, he gained great inspiration from an interview with Alexander von Humboldt, who was very important. Anyhow, that's a different show. Returning to America in the late fifties, Bandelier entered the bank that his father had founded with other Swiss residents in Highland. That was like very common back in then. It was the, Highland was pretty much a Swiss town. Uh-huh. In eighteen fifty, about the where were we? Okay, anyhow, the bank bank failed, uh, and this was right after the Civil War during the Depression. In eighteen sixty, he married Josephine Huey, a girl of Swiss heritage, uh, from the from the town. Uh, Beginning in eighteen seventy-seven, he published uh, through the Peabody Museum at Harvard a series of mostly scholarly and basically important contributions on the uh, ancient Mexicans, one of the books being on the art of war and mode of welfare, 1877, on the distribution and tenure of lands, 1878, and on the social organization and mode of government, 1879. 1880... He was was engaged by the newly organized Archaeological Institute of America to conduct researches in New Mexico, where he was extraordinarily active in the field until 1889. That was eight solid years of shrumping all over New Mexico and Arizona. Uh, His explorations were generally undertaken on foot, often in the face of great danger from Apache raids, covered nearly the whole of New Mexico and Arizona. He also accomplished much uh, research work and uh, archive work in Santa Fe, lived with the Pueblos in order to study Indian life and mentality, and the result of this decade are recorded in a group of publications uh, which appeared in the early 90s. I'll skip that part, just reading titles. In the year 1892 brought a radical change in the scene of work under auspices of Henry Villard of New York. He went to South America for archaeological and historical investigations. After the death of his wife in Lima, he undertook extensive explorations along the coast and highlands of Peru, lasted until the late 1893 when he returned to Lyman. There he married Fanta Rita, Fanny Reader, okay. <laughs> a native of Zurich, with her, he spent the next 10 years in a series of journey in Peru and Bolivia, and that is fascinating reading, I think.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Anyhow, with periods of research in government and church records and in private libraries in La Paz and other cities. In 1906, at the age of 63, he returned to New York where he worked at the Natural History Museum, served as a lecturer on Spanish-American literature at Columbia, and in 1906 joined the staff of Hispanic Society of America. Symptoms of cataract developed in 07, and from 09 to 11, he was almost totally blind. During that period, he continued with the help of his wife to write and produce his last books, The Islands of Titicaca and Coete, in 1910. In 1911, he received an appointment as research associate of the Carnegie Institute of Washington for archival research. Research in Spain. After a year of preliminary investigations in Mexico, he went to Seville where he died in 1914. The interesting thing about that trip to Spain is he was studying, uh, much like uh, freight, uh, the Spanish trade that uh-huh. we did a, a few months back, uh-huh. going through the old, old. Original old documents. Documents, and the Spaniards were record keepers. Yeah. And not, one of the things about their record keeping is. They re- they recorded the dastardly way that they treated the people because they did to them it wasn't dastardly because these were just you know subhuman people. To them.
1: Why is this man important? An important part in uh, the American Western history. Well, basically, he wrote the book on
0: archaeology, anthropology, ethnology, history. Of the region, and I mean, he he immersed himself. There's a great story that Loomis tells, because him and Loomis tracked around a whole bunch, and he, Loomis tells a story that at one point, as I mentioned earlier, he traveled on foot mostly. Right. Somebody gave him a horse, so they headed out. After two miles of riding the horse, he got up and led the horse the next 28 miles, or 30 <laughs> for the 30 mile trip, because he just preferred to walk. And I got some more stuff here. I'll get to later that will go into kind of into depth about how he did it and, and you
1: know, things like that. So, did you learn uh, while you were in school in uh, New Mexico, uh, Bunker? Did you was anything about Bandelier ever taught? No. In fact, you know, unless unless you were
0: interested in the park system, you wouldn't even know that
1: they you know,
0: named a monument after it.
1: Uh, and, and that monument is located up in uh, nor, north uh, north eastern New Mexico, or is that correct?
0: Yeah, uh, northeast, northwest.
1: North, it, northwest would be the Navajo area. Oh, that,
0: he covered that
1: part. He covered of the, that part because too.
0: the Navajos were the descendants of, of the early populations.
1: Let me see if I can find something in there in the beginning. This guy just is, is really sounds like yeah. For, for those who don't like to read dry archaeology journals or anything like that, I don't know. It, for me, I get I like reading history like that and, and reports and stuff because you learn. I think you learn a lot about what has happened. You get it in the context of the of the writer, and you know if you've ever done any studies of anything, you always try and find all kinds of information. You know about said subject, and so you know have, having this kind of information is, is pretty important. Well, you know it, it is because one of the things
0: is that by being there, he would he was he was like you know, digging pots, uh, taking soil samples, just you know it was un, you know, it, I, it boggles my mind. I want to read a little thing here. This is kind of cool. This says uh, this is. Not to do with him, but it has to do with Bandelier, uh, the monument. This is a prehistoric cat reproduction near the ruins of Yapacheneye uh, on Potrera de las Vacas in Bandelier National Monument in New Mexico. Now, the reproduction isn't like, you know, somebody, somebody Charlie Russell painted a painting and right. someone reproduced it. This, the reproduction was what the, na- the indigenous people did, and it's a, it's a, called the Hemaes Mountains Shrine of the Stone Lions. And these figures uh, were considered to be the foremost hunting shrine in the southwest, thought to date to the 1300s, consisting of two cats, life-size. Hmm. And I saw pictures of it, and, I mean, it's not only... In length and breadth, but also in depth. Wow! So it's almost like you know, it's almost like having the cat there, except it's hmm. carved out of the tooth or that soft volcanic stone. Interesting. And uh, one of the things that's interesting—they they think it, they were jaguars, but then they're, they're crouched side by side, uh, tails extended, facing east. So there was, there was a ceremonial aspect about that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that's that's the thing. When you get up, when you start reading about these different ruins and the stuff, and the stuff that well, for one thing, in his writing, his journals, it's you know, it's not scientific. It's
1: it's scientific, but it's observational.
0: Well, it's observational, and it's he's saying, you know, I went into this room and I found it. It was like conversational, Uh and so it's very easy to take. Todd, what do you think?
2: Well, I I think that. you know, uh, it just goes to show you that you can, you know, be living next door to something and not know it even exists. <laughs> yeah. And as, as Bunker has said that, you know, he, he went to school, but you know, in New Mexico, and you'd think they'd have a class on this or New Mexico history or archaeology would mention him, one of those classes, and they didn't. In the same way, I would say that our school system here in California is lacking because I never learned anything about Charles Loomis, who, as Bunker has mentioned, is one of his good was one of his compadres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it says a lot to me that they were good friends because Loomis is one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, literally walked from Ohio here uh, uh, to California. Uh, he was working on a farm and was bored to death and working for somebody else on their farm. And he said, I'm done. And he decided to walk across the United States. And he did. Ended up here in Los Angeles, was the first editor of the Los Angeles Times, Mm -hmm. and did more to preserve American Indian culture and Latin American culture in this city this county, maybe even this state of California, than any other person. Hmm. Wow! And built the his Loomis home, which he built by himself with his own hands, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and had a bunch of kids. So as the kids got older, he immediately enlisted them in helping him. Labor. <laughs> yeah, everybody always said, "Why did Why did Charles Loomis have six or seven kids? Because <laughs> he needed more help." <laughs> uh, and it's a beautiful home. It's just fabulous. And everybody was a friend and guest there, from uh, presidents to dignitaries to celebrities uh, and on and on and on. And then he felt so strongly and passionate about the West, like Mr. Bandelier did, and the, the archiving of it and the preservation of it. He built the Southwest Museum, yeah. so this says a lot to me about yeah. about Bandelier that they were friends and that they that he could keep up with Loomis, and in turn Loomis could keep up with Bandelier. Yeah, uh, and there was a third guy too that was a close friend of theirs as well, I, I and the trio. Uh, trotted all over the Southwest yeah, F- in search of history.
1: F.H. Cushing, I think, is the man that yeah. you're looking for. Yeah. Hey, we got to do our first commercial break here, okay. fellas. Uh, we're talking about Adolf Abandelier. Here on uh, Amal Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts, we'll be right back.
0: Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester
1: 73. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank of in Tucson, 520-777-1980. No, Watch old west silent movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran, hire one? Go to legionorg veterans to find out how you. Can can help
0: 26 men carefully chosen for their courage
1: and ability formed the arizona rangers fame and public acclaim was not their objective this is perhaps why the story of these 26 men has never been told until now
2: this is the voices of the west
1: On Abel Franzi's "Voices of the West," Harry Alexander, Bunker <laughs> to France, and Todd Roberts. <laughs> Thought I would uh, sl- slip in a little bit of uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of stuff there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, yeah. you know, it's ancient Tewa. Well, you know, during the break, I, I was just thinking about everything that you guys talked about—that these people walked across the damn country. Yeah, I mean. You know, yeah. Obviously, that's how they. And and, and he thought farming was hard. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, that's how they traveled. That you, you walk or you ride in a wagon. I mean, just Don't think about the, the Mormon handcart. I know. Yeah. I, I just I just. And, and nowadays, you know, you can't. The kids, you know, if,
0: they, I've got to walk from the curb to the school. I know. School. I know. Can't you, Dad? Can't you drive up <laughs> to the
1: stairs? I know. Just, just. I, I can't even describe it. It, it. it just boggles me that people were able or had their mindset that they would do that and accomplish it.
2: Well, you know, and then he, built this house, yeah. with his own hands, yeah. Well, you, know, you know, and then built the Southwest Museum. I mean, he didn't physically build the Southwest Museum, right, but he right. he basically said, "Okay, guys." Uh, he went to all his friends and everybody. in the money. He knew Roosevelt. Roosevelt came to visit him at his home. Rosecrans. And 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 close friends and said, you know, you're gonna you and you and you and you everybody we're all pitching money and we're gonna build this thing. This is not. And by the way, this is not recent. This is this is in 1911. Yeah, 1912. He's building a museum to uh, preserve American Indian artifacts and art and culture. When part of this country was still hoping uh, that you know they could send them to reservations and make them all go away. Is that the one so up he in Pasadena? Had the opposite thought.
0: Is that the one up in Pasadena?
2: Well, it's on the one it's on the Pasadena freeway. Yeah, now, oh, that's out awesome. of downtown. And uh, it's way before Pasadena. It's in the yeah. it's in the canyon or whatever they want to call that. Yeah. They uh, it's been renamed the Arroyo Seco. The uh, and
0: has uh, taken over that, that collection. Who? Oh, the archery has taken over that yeah, collection.
2: Yeah, the archery has taken over the collection. Uh, they took everything out of the museum because they said that uh, there were two problems. The first problem they discovered was that the curator was selling items of <laughs> historical significance oh, out the back door. Boy, oh boy. Um, and, uh, you know, he was looking for a really nice condo in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> I think he got a condo somewhere else at Folsom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... The other thing was, is the building has some structural issues. Mm-hmm. So they took everything out of it, closed the store, closed the other wing, closed everything. But the building's still there, and you can go there. But it's only open now four hours on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's 10 to 4 or 10 to
1: 2. Something like that, yeah. But to, right now, I, a couple it, of times I don't awesome. know if I took
2: you, Harry. No, I don't remember going to see that. They have one of the most exquisite uh, it's funny we talk about this because Bandelier. I bet he was involved in this in one way or another, in his own way or maybe with uh, uh, Loomis. But they have one of the finest Pueblo pottery exhibits I've ever seen. It's four hundred years of the Pueblo pottery, largest in the from world, from four hundred years ago to the present. It's not the largest collection.
1: I thought it was. It's one of the
2: most exquisite collections.
1: Okay. Uh, Todd, your mother, your mom collected uh, lots of. Indian artifacts, pottery, and, and and so forth. And Todd, uh, yeah, a, a, and she collected Todd as well. Um, do you, she was trying to. She was trying to sell me off. Well, that's out right. the back door. Yeah, at the back door. The, <laughs> but <laughs> I lost my question. Now, did she ever talk about uh, Bandelier, or, or uh, you can recall? Uh,
2: you know, I don't remember Bandelier, but I she talked a lot about Loomis. And she loved, uh, I know she went to Bandelier National Monument more than once by herself. Mm -hmm. Or she never took me and I drove across Arizona and New Mexico with her more than once. Mm -hmm. But uh, she talked about Loomis all the time. She was a volunteer at the Southwest Museum. um, And she loved that place. And, you know, she was trekking all over the Southwest constantly. Uh, and I am I would be pretty confident in saying that if she had known about Bandolier, she would have pursued him the same way she pursued Loomis. Well, she know. even two, more than once took me to the, there's another Adobe, not Loomis's house, but up in that area, Highland Park, Arroyo Seco there, uh, north of downtown, that is another Adobe, which is now closed, but it's under the Supervision of the Loomis Trust or whatever, yeah, yeah. which is an adobe that you walk around. At Christmas, they do the little uh, bags, the luminarias, ah, the yeah, little yeah. Ba- paper bags with yep. the sand and the candle. And you Fioritos. walk
0: around
2: in a, yeah. uh, in a circle uh, on the inner courtyard and sing Mexican Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely evening, and they have that that fabulous Mexican hot chocolate. And it's just a great great
1: evening you know uh, we talked we talked earlier about how uh, the accomplishments of, of Adolf bandelier and, and and loomis and others who were seeking to preserve the history of the indigenous folk while others were hoping they just go on to the reservation and they're still doing and, it today well i know they're still doing it today and and try and forget about uh, well they're
2: trying to do it yeah, but but my, my but point, only to take your point further, Harry. Oh, no, go ahead. Finish. Well,
1: my my point was, what did what were his contem- his contemporaries must have really shunned him, uh, or though you know because this he was doing something that they did not consider correct.
0: Well first of all well, I think there
1: wasn't a lot of ahead, contemporaries cuz
0: he was pretty much writing the book on it uh, there were my, my, my
1: point my point is the the the, the people who who opposed uh, anything to do with indigenous populations oh, you, you know talk, don't put them on a don't put them on a reservation just annihilate them you're, talk, you're talking about the
0: manifest destiny
1: mentality yeah think well Harry, what Harry's
2: pointing to are his contemporaries in the educational structure, in universities yeah, yeah. and other museums around the United States who shunned this work and and, and thought this was a folly or a frivolous pursuit right. of his. Yeah. And I would say that also they felt that mm-hmm. way about uh, Loomis as well. And I think what's important to remember is that now, today, You know, it's not. You know, when you say, "Well, now they're still doing it today, bunker." You know what? That's that's not only true, but it's not funny Mm -hmm. because now we have it from two sides. We have it from the side of the people who aren't interested in it, and now we also. And I, I, I apologize. I don't really. That's a false apology. I am going to offend some people, so I hope you're listening. (laughs) You have another group of people who are of the. Indigenous culture uh, of whatever subject we want to talk about, whether we're talking about it today or not, but in the Latin community and in the American Indian community or Native American community who don't appreciate and mock and make fun of and try to uh, picture or frame somebody like Bandelier and somebody like Loomis. And I've heard it about Loomis countless times. Appropriation. That not only appropriation is today's terminology, that he was he was he was whitewashing it. He was he was he was sanctifying it for the white public. And oh, yeah. I, want, know, to, I don't and, want to, I want to touch on something here. And, and, and now that's what they're talking about. They're trying to dismiss Loomis. Uh, I can't say it about Bandolier because I don't know it as well, but they're trying to dismiss what Loomis did. Loomis recorded uh, over a uh, hundred. I don't know what the count is. Nobody really knows because you got to go through all the records. He recorded live over a hundred different Mexican folk songs that are in, that are Mexican folk songs of LA. Around L.A., around Southern California, I want to go into. I want to go into this uh, pirate
0: now. Mm -hmm. It's what what Harry brought up because it's very true that the culture of the day looked upon the Indian culture as something that was not had no contribution to make. but that's one of the things that Loomis did. He he threw light on it and made it something worthwhile. Another thing is that he did was that. the archaeology of that time, which was pretty like pretty much like you said, poo-pooing Indian contribution uh-huh. to culture and history uh-huh. and whatnot. Uh, he went in and demysticized so much of the stuff that they had said, well, you know that they had carved in stone that this is what it is all about. And one of the things that's just interesting is out of uh, Bandelier's work. Uh, his contributions, the Federal Antiquities Act of 1906, was passed because of the foundation work he did. Nice. And going further back, uh, exploration in 1879 by John Wesley Powell helped create and direct the U.S. geological survey that lasted from 1881 to 93. And then the Bureau of American Ethnology from 1879 to 1902. Uh Shortly after, Bandelier was the first explorer to explore the ruins of Verde Valley, which people live all over the place now. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. The Phoenix Basin and the whole White Mountains for Archaeological Institute of America. In other words, he was he was really pioneering all of that. All right, we got to do our,
1: we got to do our next commercial break here. We're uh, talking about. Adolph Bandelier, here on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll be right back. you want Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step nearer and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but lack like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Rent-A-Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Rent-A-Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Rent-A-Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne,
0: Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the
1: proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our Renna henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly.
0: Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get
1: that bullet out of your shoulder, get a a hench to sit there on your place and keep your Whiskey warm while you're gone. Bret When well, you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work.
2: What happened to you?
1: Oh, uh, we was having an argument with one of them cow nesters when a couple of fellows in the store jumped us from behind. Who were they? I don't know. Never saw them before.
2: More settlers, I suppose. They're coming in like grasshoppers.
1: This is the voices of the West. Back on Animal Friends, These voices of the West: Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. With you, we're talking about uh, the life of Adolph Francis Alfonso Vendelier.
2: Them damn grasshoppers are everywhere.
1: Then <laughs> <laughs> that was must have been really tough back then when the, all them settlers were coming in. Yeah, and, like grasshoppers, you know, like grasshoppers, man. You're just hopping,
0: hopping, hopping. <laughs> Like <a>
1: locusts, man. <laughs> well,
0: you know, was, you know, he was Vendelier uh, was one of the first explorers in the Tonto Basin and he described the highly visible masonry ruins uh... some of which were called compound ruins and others were checkerboard ruins but out of that period he wrote a novel called the, the light makers uh... published in ni- 1890. And for todd you might want to look this up on the internet uh... they have the introduction by charles fletcher loomis and loomis uh, in m- the most glowing terms Expresses his admiration for Bandelier and considered as one of the most important men he ever knew, and uh, it's I, I read oh maybe 20 or 30 pages of it, uh, and it's just fascinating because again it's like it's like re- uh, reading a journal in co- in conversational language. It's not scientific jargon and stuff like that, and uh, you know it's just that. And this is the thing. is He was one of the most important uh, ethnologists, historians, archaeologists of the history of the Southwest. He was the man
1: who wrote the book. Well, the uh, novel that you spoke of there, Bunker, uh, is The Delight Makers. and 490 pages. You can find it I at it. internetarchive.com. I, I found it. I have uh... Yeah, I'd say uh, you can read it there. I'm buying it now. Well, you can re- you can find it for free at internetarchive.org, uh, uh, archive.org, and, uh, yeah, uh, you can read it for free there instead of having to purchase it. Well, you know, JB, jump, me <laughs> jumping
0: way, way, way ahead, I just wanted to mention this because it just shows you how industrious his was with his wife, Fanny, uh, down in Columbia, they collected over 7,900 uh, pre-Columbian artifacts.
1: If I tried to do anything like that, my wife would throw a fit. <laughs> where would you put them? Well, see, there you go.
2: <laughs> These are all part of your, some of your issues. Yes, I get it. Um,
1: <laughs> well, I want to
0: describe Bandolier Monument for just a minute because, you know, we've been talking about the, the man, and let's talk a little bit about the place that's named after him. It's a 33,677-acre site near Los Alamos in the Sandoval and Los Alamos County. Uh, the monument preserves the homes and territory of ancient Puebloans of a later era in the southwest. And most of the structures date from two eras between 1150 and up to 1600 Anno Domini. I like that, Anno Domini. Mm. Sounds... sounds Scientific. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And the ancestral pueblos are also known as the Anastasi, which were an ancient Native American culture that spanned the present-day Four Corners, in other words, in Arizona, corners, Colorado, Yeah. And New Mexico and uh, Colorado.
1: Yeah. There's monuments uh, uh, in the Flagstaff area around the Grand Canyon that, uh, for, or not monuments, but yeah, digs. I guess you want to, uh, I I like know, a better word. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's this interesting too. He started a three months exploration of Arizona in seventh uh, of April in eighteen seventy eight with Harry Hunting. It was a local rancher from Sholo. And Hunting played an important part in selling a lot of uh, stuff to the museums in the East. But this was before it wasn't pot hunting then. It was you know mm-hmm. was trying to save this stuff.
1: So do we know how? The indigenous populations responded to Bandelier and what he was trying to do.
0: Well, he w- he was very welcome in the villages and stuff. In fact, he, he was a uh, linguist. He he's, well, Somewhere in here I've got it, but he spoke French, German, Spanish, English. And he would spend extended periods in various villages, and he apparently was such a linguist that he could pick up the languages.
1: Yep. Europeans are like that. My great-grandfather served out here in Arizona he, uh, during the Geronimo campaign. He he was a linguist, if you will. Uh, the man spoke seven languages. Wow. And, and, you know, yeah. So, I mean, geez. Uh, and he came he come from uh, what is now the Czech Republic. Yeah. And he spoke seven languages when he came to America.
0: You know, uh, on this trip, uh, they... They left from Xolo. From there, they traveled 40 miles to Fort Apache by buckboard uh, with Chico Bandolero horse following behind. You know, he didn't ride the damn horse. <laughs> he spent several days exploring sites near the fort, including Kanishkaha Pueblo. While at uh, the fort, he, viewed news, he received news of the death of the... Of the oh, he re- this is cool, this is cool. While he was at the fort, he received news of his death at the hands of Geronimo. I see. Yeah, he was dead. And he wrote in. He wrote, wrote later in his uh, journal, my obituaries are, so far, flattering. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, con- anyway, he continued to Fort Thomas, uh, San Carlos, Globe. In Globe, he traveled to Besh-Bah-Gawah, which is pretty well-known well, especially here in Arizona, because Arizona highways always got great yeah. pictures of it. Uh, moving uh, north towards the Tonto Basin, he found uh, at the schoolhouse point on the south end of the basin, large uh, pueblos the next day, he and two companions, and they don't identify who they were, on horseback explored dwellings in a canyon south of the Salt River. These were the Tonto Cliff dwellings uh, with the upper and lower dwellings.
1: Tell me, fellas, what, why do you think people like Bandelier and Loomis did what they did?
2: I think, I think they had a, I, I think that they probably had a quest, um, to, to, of knowledge. They had a thought process in their head that said to them, there's more to this than I'm being told, meaning everything in the world, um, and I've got to go out there and find out what it is. And, uh, the people who are sitting here around me don't know because they've never been out there. And I think there's a perfect example of that in, in Loomis walking across the United States. He could have saved his money and taken a train or a stagecoach, but instead he walked because he wanted to get a feel for the, for the experience. And I think Vandalia did the same thing. I think it's also important to, to think about guys like john uh, john wesley powell and crocker and uh and dupont who were out on the prairie in you know the 1780s to the 1830s or 40s uh they were experiencing things i think it's you know i love it when people say to me you know from the east coast of well you know uh 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 um, Williamsburg, Virginia, is the oldest settlement in the United States. Yeah, not even. I I, I always say, uh, what year was that? Oh yeah. well, it was sixteen forty.
1: Uh huh. And
2: uh, or somebody will say, well, you know, St. Augustine is the oldest city in the uh, United States. What try, year try is again. that? Uh, Seventeen ninety-one. Try again, and I try say, Santa try, try, try again. Try again. Try Acama Pueblo. Eleven yeah, hundred. Yeah. yeah. The year eleven hundred. It has been continuously lived in. Since eleven hundred. Yeah. So, and even the uh, Pueblo of Tucson
0: dates back to, yeah. you know
2: Yeah. Not that far back, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, and and the Palace of the Governors in Santa Fe was built in sixteen twenty. Yeah. Well look so, down there
0: down there in Florida, the Spaniards down there, fifteen well, so, yeah. hundred.
2: Well that's you know, that's Saint Augustine, yep. you know, seventeen whatever. And yes, that's really old, but this predates all of that. This is a living, working city that is still in existence to this day in Acama Pueblo
1: in New Mexico. Bunker, why do you think that uh, uh, these guys did what they did? I want to
0: say it real simple. Because they couldn't do otherwise because they had to. It was their nature. You know, it's, it's like the old story of the frog and the scorpion. You, you know, the, the, the frog wants to... He's sitting by the pond, the scorpion comes up and says, take me across. And the scorpion says, says, no, no, you'll you'll sting me, you'll kill me. And the the frog says, oh, no, no. They argue back and forth. And probably the frog says, the scorpion says, hey, look, if I sting you while we're going across, we'll both die because I'll drown. And the frog says, well, that makes sense. They get halfway across, the scorpion kills it. And the frog says, in his croaking, dying voice, says, why did you do that? He says, because it's my nature. And that's what the way it was with these guys. I, I think they couldn't have done otherwise. If it hadn't been that, it would have been something. It's just that nature. I want to read something from uh, from his journal. This is his own words, the way he wrote. And this is from his journal dated May twenty-fourth, 1883. And this he's up in Tonto. And the quote is, I found an old sandal, much fragmentary uh, basketwork, Rope, twine, and many other, and many corn cobs. No red and black pottery, but faint corrugated were, what was it, faint, but faint corrugated were, uh, arrow shafts made of cane, but not a single arrowhead. Now, that doesn't sound scientific. That's no. not, that sounds like you or me talking about yeah. going yeah. out and taking a yeah. hike and
1: yeah. finding yeah. something. Right. Wow. Well. Incredible. Uh we're gonna do our final commercial break here on Ammo Franzi's voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker of France and Todd Roberts with you. We are talking about Adolf Bandelier. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank in Tucson, 520 777 1901. Read classic western comics anytime at (laughs) voicesofthewest.net. Donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse it Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website horse Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horse As
0: we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform. Let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. You're caught up with Harris. I know you're the man behind the plot to wreck this ranch.
2: He's crazy. You're part of that gang. You're the men who sent here to kill Radford. How do you know so much? That proves you're in it. Get healed, Andrews. This somebody's gang is just
1: one jump behind me. Well, he's lying. They're the men I sent for to help us. How do you know, when you haven't even seen them yet?
2: This is the Voices of the West.
1: Back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We're doing the uh, Native American bump music here because we can uh, because we can. and because we're honoring the findings of Adolf Francis Alfonso Bandelier and what he, uh, what he did for uh, learning about the Southwest.
0: They travel through Pueblo, people no longer there. <laughs> bear never knew people were there because bear is just bear. Yeah. Well, here, this is for you, Todd. This is this is from the introduction uh, that Loom was writing about uh, Bandelier and describing him. And and this is him and him and Bandelier traveling together. They tra- he traveled on foot, no blankets, overcoats, or other shelters. Took only a few cakes of sweet chocolate and small sack of parched. Popcorn meal, uh, and he said that Bandelier was an insatiable climber and inspired talker.
2: Wow! Wow! Mm. Wow!
0: That's yeah. he, he the other well, thing. He you know, si- think si- think sitting around the fire, just listening to Bandelier talk.
1: Those must have been incredible journeys to oh. to hear that kind of information. I mean, the three of us enjoy history, and I I would assume. That majority of our listeners oh, also enjoy so. history, and, and to to hear that kind of stuff. I mean, can you imagine just sitting around a campfire and hearing hearing somebody talking about stuff like that? Oh
0: yeah. And this guy, other things I don't have it in my notes, but apparently he would go, he would go to important functions, and and he because he was involved in all kinds of things, got all kinds of honors and stuff, uh, met some of the most important people. You know, he was the kind of guy, I wouldn't be surprised if he hadn't sat down and had a conversation with Roosevelt. Yeah. I know he hadn't he talked with Muir. Yeah. But uh, they said that he was kind of, he, one of those guys that, uh, like Charlie Russell, uh, wherever Charlie went, people would shut up and listen because they wanted to hear his stories. Mm-hmm. And they said he was soft-spoken, he was not pushy or aggressive, and... Was not ambitious either, but very productive. And this is this this is another piece here. We'll, we'll just show you how uh, how respected he was. He did extensive research in the archives of Old and New Mexico, and because of that, was commissioned commissioned by Archbishop Salpointe. Prepare a 1,400-page history of the colonization and missions of Sonora, Chihuahua, New Mexico, and Arizona, illustrated with some 400 watercolors, uh, sketches, for the presentation to Pope Leo XIII for his jubilee. Hmm. And uh, I was looking at some of the books, and he did his, and his, him and his wife did the most detailed watercolor sketches of the. You know, artifacts and ruins. You know, there was no camera, right? Right. And so, so that's, that just showed he was so meticulous and so efficient in what he did.
1: You know, we lots of people poo-poo history and say, "Oh, you don't need to learn any of that nonsense because it happened way back when." But you know, learning about that stuff from way back when uh, is really important because. You just got to know it.
0: You know, I appreciate then more than I appreciate now.
2: Yeah, uh, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know we're li- well. I think. Go ahead. I think it's important uh, to keep in. You know, if you don't know your history, you don't have any perspective. There you anything. go. Yep. Because you, you know, I have people. I have nieces and nephews who now look at me and say things like, oh, "I, you know, I can't believe this. This is." horrible i mean i've never heard of this happening before and i look at him and i go that's because you don't know your history and by the way it's not your fault it's the educational that's system, right it is which is it not taught to you because they don't respect it themselves yeah. and they don't want to teach it because if you know your history you can see through their um phony baloney educational process and delivery
1: well if you know your history you can that means you can think well, not only that, but you realize that woke right, is a bunch of crap. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, woke is a bunch of crap anyway. But you know, yeah. that reinforces it. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Fantastic individual, well, here's, uh, Adolf Francis Alphonse. Uh, well, but here is an
0: interesting side note. Uh, a lot of people have exactly. you know, the Coronado's trail. You know, where where did it go? How yeah. what was the route and stuff? And in eighteen ninety two. Vandelier first described the route that later would be discussed by the geographer Carl Sauer, a very famous man, mm-hmm. that has become the most widely accepted version. Think about that. You know, back in Yeah, Todd. And they're still arguing today about the route. Mm. Go ahead, Todd. It, did it go through two back?
2: You're going in and out on me, Harry. Oh. I'm going to disconnect and come back. Oh, okay. All right. Very well.
1: So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did it go through Tubac? Well,
0: they 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 know they they're, they they think they know that it went through up, up to San Pedro, wow. and if it went up to San Pedro, they probably uh, before Tubac was Tubac, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But they think it may have camped there in that area.
1: Wow.
2: Well, and we and you know, getting back to what you're saying about history, Gary. I mean, we wouldn't without history, we wouldn't know that. Uh, native peoples have been living on this continent for 10,000 years. I know,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: And, and, and you wouldn't know anything that you do know today because you don't have any frame of reference for it. You think everything is, this is the first time it's ever happened. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago when there was a, um, there was video of, uh, uh an orca, uh, cow, and her calf, and a great white shark kept trying to separate the mother from mm-hmm. its calf. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finally, you know, the mother, the, the, the orca mother kept, you know, uh, moving, hopping over and getting between her, uh, calf and the shark. And the shark kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And finally, the the orca mother just turned around and went at the shark and broadsided it and bit it in half. Yep. And the the scientific community just went bananas. That just <laughs> this is in the nineties. They all just, oh my god, oh my, like, you know, it was as if the earth was falling. I mean, we would never seen this. And <laughs> well, I'm sitting mentality. there watching the news with my dad. He looked up and said, uh. My God, how, how how dumb are these people? <laughs> this is not the first time it's ever happened. Yeah, right. This is the first time they've ever seen
1: it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, you know,
2: and this that's is the, point.
1: This that's is the kind of,
0: point. You talk about a frame of reference. I think this is going to be kind of interesting uh, because we're talking about the wow. Native and Native American indigenous people. And wow. some people will say, well, they were so far behind the Europeans, they don't realize that. The Europeans, if you look at Europe, it's, it runs east to west. And it's pretty much, you can go from the English Channel almost to the Pacific. Uh-huh. The American colonies, the continent, ran north to south with very high mountains, very hot deserts, very barren plains. So they, the ability to move around was very limited in a sense. You, they, And to explore and interconnect with other people and get that relationship of trade. The other thing is, they didn't have the large animals that they had in Europe Uh the horse, you know, the cattle and stuff like that. So they weren't behind, they were moving at at the best pace they could under the
1: conditions they lived. Great show, fellas.
2: Just remember something that the Aztecs had over a million people, a million people living in one city. Well, yeah, prior prior to Columbus and, and the irrigation systems yeah. that rivaled anything that Rome did,
0: and the medicine and the art, uh, the astronomy oh, was yeah. ahead of Europe Myan. without oh. the
1: technology. The, that you're the, there. The, the, the Mayan culture, especially, but that's they did an, brain surgery. That's another show, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. That's all the time and we got they. for this one. And so next time we get together on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West which will be next Saturday, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. I have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) We don't know what we're doing.
0: But in the meantime, take a trip up to Bandelier National. There you go. And and visit the ruins and talk to the forest. I looked at pictures. That place is...
1: That would want to make a Western movie there. There you go. It's just awesome. That's that's the way to fire. We like that. That's it for this edition of of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. And by the way, a happy birthday... To Mr. Bunker to France for tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow, Tomorrow, so it doesn't count today. Yeah, it does. Bunker, happy birthday. And Harry gave me grass, the Buck Ramsey book. I have been hunting for that for years. (laughs) God bless
1: you, Harry. And 78, 79, 80 archaeological O's to you. All right, everybody. Thank you much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Bye-bye.